0: So it's, you know, it's a challenge. And I think that, you know, that's where we see the traditional media really work well, because it's, it's less algorithmically based. So it can really be sort of truly incremental to what you're doing with, with Facebook or Google. Welcome, everybody, to the Out of Home Insider Show, a podcast like no other, hosted by the one and only
1: Tim Rowe. Ready to have There's some a special out-of-home case study to from today's guest in the show notes, so, so make sure to go there and check that out. This kicks off best best our media buyers track in the D2C ecom series. Enjoy.
0: We call it like a first principles approach, where we think through, you know, everything that a brand that we're working with is doing in marketing holistically, and and um, try and you know help them from a quantitative lens, determine like where they can do better and stretch their budget further and, you know, just improve overall. So, so some of the things, you know, I'm, I'm obviously focused on media buying, but I think as a, as a group, some of the things we push them on are, or push our clients on are like, you know, not just how are you spending your media budget, but how are you spending your creative budget? You know, are, are you kind of optimizing that in a way where you're getting the right assets for all your channels, you know, from website to, to media and, and CRM and so on? And then, you know, even like how are you spending your own team's time, right? Like a lot of the brands we work with are, are fairly early stage kind of limit more limited in-house resources, right? So you want to make sure that you're like maximizing those in-house resources in terms of, you know, spending your time on the things that are, are most likely to drive, drive results. You know, definitely taking like that pretty intensive and holistic approach to, to clients is where we've seen the most success. The last piece is, you know, we, we really try and be quantitative, uh, you know, and when we're doing that holistic review, we want to have like a data point that we can we can point to as, as far as like why we're doing something or not doing something and, and that we can track over time to, to make sure we're, we're moving the needle in the right direction.
1: Let me ask you a question around that. How do you how do you balance that? You, you talked about managing spend and the balance between how much money goes to creative and how much goes to the actual media itself, what goes to production, but still being quantitative, data driven, focused on outcomes and how this impacts the bottom line ultimately. How do you how do you balance that? The alchemy of kind of art and science, as it were, the the quantitative and the qualitative aspects of building a campaign. How do you think about those two things?
0: Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, probably take e-commerce as an example, cause it's a good, uh, kind of a good, a good starting point. But I think, you know, as I, th- I think people say a lot, you know, now that kind of, um, creative is the targeting on, you know, it's especially true mm. for, for Facebook and Instagram. Um, and you know, it's just, it's definitely the most important variable in your performance. And, and, you know, even, you know, just, just targeting is, as far as like what the media buyer is doing in, in the meta backend is just much, much less important than it was, um, you know, seven, seven years ago or whatever. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, just making sure that you're making the right and enough investment in creative is, is really important to, to driving improved performance. And I, I think, you know, what what we tend to do is a couple types of analysis. Like, you know, one, one we'll just like look at a time series data and see you know, like when we do launch new creative, like what type of improvement are, are you able to drive? You know, and I, I think this is a lot of what, what, you know, I do as a media buyer is I'll put new creative in and I'll, you know, refresh the next day and see like what. You know what difference you can you can uh understand in CPC or what difference you can see in, in your CPA. um and You know, oftentimes I'll see you know with the right creative a twenty or thirty percent boost, which is you know, obviously wow. huge for a, a business. But that's obviously not infinite, right? Like you can't you can't just sure um, but if you catch in a bottle. See,
1: hey, there's an opportunity here. This creative popped. Let's invest more. Let's expand to a new market. Let's. Selfishly, let's parlay. Let's let's activate on some out of home. Let's let's do some additional things if this creative's resonating. Obviously, that seems like an opportunity, and especially in such a a, a resource restricted environment where we are so cost conscious. How are brands kind of thinking and responding to maybe the 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 current economic state, as it were? How is today different than three years ago? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So. Yeah, a lot of the brands that we see, you know, saw pretty explosive growth during COVID, and
1: you know, it's not as
0: much the case now, um, especially especially for e-commerce. Um, so they're, they're thinking about like, you know, what they can do um, to continue growing and continue reaching new customers with with, you know, ideally less marketing budget, right? Um, sure. And I think what we've really seen brands focus on, and, and we've tried to focus on, is. Incrementality. Um, so assessing across the board, like which of your channels is is um, really moving the needle as far as as far as new customers. Because um, I, I think you see a lot of, especially within digital, um, over attribution, where you can look at a ROAS number, you know, for for a retargeting campaign or for a brand search campaign, and it's just um, uh, pretty high, but it's, it doesn't reflect the, re-
1: the underlying reality where those people are likely to convert regardless of seeing the app. What does what does that mean? Unpack that. Like, why is that the case? Why why could that be a false positive?
0: Yeah, so so just you know, imagine you uh, someone does, um, you know, a, a search for out of home insider, right? And like they've they've heard about it somewhere else, um, but if you're looking at say, you know um, visits to your site or whatever, you're gonna get that's gonna get credited to um, Google, the brand search campaign. You know, in, in reality, it was you know however they heard, had heard about it in the first place, whether it's on you know you just you end up uh, over attributing to the last channel that that drove. Um, mm that drove the site visit or the a lot of times we see see that's you know brand search or or retargeting on on facebook or another
1: channel so and i'm ultimately kind of cannibalizing what you would have had otherwise but you're spending against yourself to 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 get it and that yeah the the math on that can't work really well for for too super long uh uh, or, or really a big monster scale obviously we have to do something to drive said branded search so so thinking about that, you know, maybe where where do brands start? Where do most e-commerce brands, the brands that you're working with, where are they starting in their kind of marketing journey? And ultimately, you know, when do they start to experiment with offline media and channel diversification, really thinking about how to allocate to, to unlock new, new optimization?
0: You know, a lot of people will sort of say like Facebook isn't as effective as it was in the past. And I mean, there's, there's some truth to that. But I think for us, the reality is like when you um, when you first launch a brand like, you know, Facebook and, and also Google are really going to be your bread and butter and that they're going to be the most effective channels for reaching new customers. And I mean, you know, there's all sorts of reasons for that. But I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, the fact that they reach everyone, right? Like everyone is, is in those places and the data that they have on, on users for who is likely to be. Uh, in market for, for your products. Um, so we, you know, if, if we're launching a brand, working with the brand as, as they launch, we'll always start in those places. And I think when we see the importance of channel uh, expansion come in and especially out of home and some of the other traditional channels is when brands have, you know, be- become somewhat more established. And I think that that's when you start to see some of what I was talking about. I, I kind of call it over targeting kick in where you, um, you know, you're, you're established in the market. People know who you are. And so you know, when you think about the algorithm for a Facebook, like it's going to try and find people who know who you are, because those are the people who are most likely to purchase. So, you know, whereas previously it was, and you know, it's still to a certain extent is finding new customers, but previously it was looking at people's, you know, online behavior and finding the ones who are, are most likely to be good new customers. Now it's saying, right, I want right. to get as many conversions as I can. I'm going to serve to the people who are, um, who are familiar with the brand. And um, that's
1: that over-optimization piece.
0: I- exactly. Right. And th- th- you know, you can exclude your site visitors. You can exclude Previous purchasers, but I think that you know your match rate is not always going to be great, and you know face you're, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle because Facebook or Google or whoever is always going to be you know the algorithm is always going to be trying to find the people who are familiar with the brand because they're most likely to convert. So it's you know it's a challenge, and I think that you know that's where we see the traditional media really work well because it's it's less algorithmically based, so it can really be sort of truly incremental to what you're doing with with Facebook or Google. So you're, um, you know, you're using different tactics that rely more on just like what you know about your audience, you know, where they over index as far as location, what their demographics are. And you can can kind of hit them in that way. So I think what we often see is that brands will start Facebook and Google, and then they'll expand to like a programmatic display or a Pinterest. And, you know, the reality is like those the the targeting on those on a programmatic display or Pinterest is going to be very similar to what it is on a Facebook or a Google. And so you're, you're not, I think truly like finding a good pool
1: of net new users and, and traditional channels tend to do a better job of that. Interesting. So how, how then, okay. So, so we can kind of get hypothetical here as walled gardens get taller. How does, how does that over optimization start to play out? It would seem like now I'm just, now I have a series of false positives and I really don't know how to gauge directionally where, where am I making money? I'm just spending in all of these places and sometimes I'm selling stuff and sometimes I'm selling more and sometimes maybe I'm selling a little bit less. How do you, I guess, how do you start to decouple and get back to like more of a holistic approach?
0: You know, just a, just a good incrementality test. Like there's not a really great substitute for that. Looking at, um, I, I think match market is usually the best, like just doing a match market test with you know each of your core channels and seeing, you know, how you do how you do in terms of overall sales when you're running on Facebook or you're not running on Facebook or when you're running on, you know, when you're sending a mail piece or you're not sending a mail piece. I, I think that's kind of the the best and most fundamental place to start. And then I, I do think there's just like general principles that you can take in your media buying that help you be more incremental. Um, you know, like like doing less retargeting, right? Like trying to maximize your digital spend as much as, you know, you can't be 100% sure, but trying to maximize as much of your digital spend on, on new customers as you can. And then like, I think having a good mix of traditional and digital is good. And then like you're saying, Trying to limit your digital channels in some cases like really what's working the best and feel confident in because I think you do get this effect of your over attribution is going to be more concerning when you have more platforms because they can all end up taking credit for the same the same order. If you're hitting someone with a retargeting ad on Facebook on display and then they're doing a brand search and coming in through Google, it's like now you have three conversions that you reported. You know, maybe none of them were the reason that the person was converting, you know, limit your channels to the ones that you, you can really feel confident are incremental.
1: Something you mentioned there, the the match market test. Can you explain what that is and maybe give us an example of of how that works or how to do that?
0: Basically, just uh, if you have a media mix, selecting a couple markets that are similar in a lot of ways. So you would be similar in terms of, you know, population and demographics and purchasing behavior for your brand. Um, And then uh, basically saying in one market, I'm going to take, you know, approach A. So it might be pausing your Facebook spend. And in another market, you take approach B, you know, you keep your Facebook spend on. And then... You know, you, you do that for a period of like four to six weeks, and then you basically compare the four to six week period to the to the four to six week period four in both hits and say, what was that delta in for approach A versus approach? A? And then, you know, that delta is, is your true incremental revenue from and that's, you know, you put that up and then that's your, that's your true as And, you know, often it's different than what the, the platform reports and imagine.
1: As, as one would imagine. Uh, and, and a theme that I've heard you mention a couple of times, Chris, is, is the idea of incrementality when you're when you're looking for incrementality how do you i guess maybe how do you know that you're at a point where i've maxed out or i'm close to maxing out and i need to start looking for that next channel or you know the ne- the next thing how do you, how do you identify that as a brand as a founder how, how do you know
0: you know it's it's just generally a sense of kind of increasing your your media spend and you're not getting a lot more coming back in in terms of in terms of revenue you know, I, I think the other way we probably look at it is on like what's your needed CAC in order to break even, right? So if you're making this much margin on your product, like, interpolate that you need to drive a certain CAC in order for it to be profitable. And so I think, you know, often when we start looking at other channels is when you get your core channel spend to the point where uh, it's no longer profitable when, when you look at your, your product margin in
1: your CAC. Fascinating. Maybe land us, land us home here on... Kind of where we started with the the percentage of our budget, we talked about media versus creative and kind of being able to identify these inflection points in the the next moment and where to look. We talked a little bit about in the lead up the use of media money to nurture the customer lifecycle and how that's not really a good use of obviously the the, the money that you've got um, and how there might be other ways to more effectively communicate with a customer once you've won them and how to think about that. I think that was the the really aha moment for me was how to think about the money that you're spending and how you communicate with the customer you've already won. Explain yeah. that to
0: us. Yeah, so a cu- couple of key points. Like one, one is just similar to the incrementality point, which is that if you're looking at someone who's already purchased, your reported ROAS is going to be much higher than your um, than your actual or incremental ROAS because that person is already likely to buy again and they're getting a lot of emails from you. And there's a, there's a pretty good chance they bought because of an email they got rather than an ad that they got. Um mm. So, so that's that's one point. We, we feel like it's it's just better for brands to be focusing more of their more of their marketing on net new customers because once you have converted, like just so much of the interaction is going to be through email, and that's how you are often going to interpret what's going on with the brand. So, I, I think like making sure that your email and and SMS programs are in a really good spot, and your website is in a really good spot, you know, to to me are the best ways to maximize like your your lifetime value in your customer retention, and then. You know, not to say that there's no room for media spend on existing customers, but I think kind of the, the the status quo is too high, right? Like most most brands spend too much on it. The other thing, I think you often see marketers or brands think that there's a really there's a need to have like really really tailored creative for your existing customers and have that be different than what you're doing for acquisition. And I, hmm. I think that's just not what we see in the data. I, I think especially with your with your paid social platforms, you know, you, people are scrolling through a feed and they're responding to each individual post like as a as a post on its own. And I I think that just is often it's a similar response like whether you've seen the brand or not and like the type of content that is engaging to someone who's a prospect is also tends to be engaging to someone who is familiar with the brand so I I think time and resources spent I think there's just there's often too much time put into you know a really detailed funnel approach where you're doing different things with your with your media creative throughout the funnel when what you really want to do is spend the most time distilling your product and your brand in a way that is like universal and communicates well to people in, in general kinds often read more into like the, the difference between acquisition and retargeting in that way than there really is.
1: Spitting some truth, Chris Regas. Thank you for <laughs> dropping that bomb. A question for you, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you work with a lot of e-commerce brands. What are like the top three mistakes you see from e-commerce brands in the Black Friday, Cyber Monday season?
0: One, one that we see is brand not being clear in their messaging around what the sale is or, or trying to uh I, I don't know if i'd say
1: trick but kind of be a little uh, bit cheeky tease tease what it is we're actually up to be be intriguing
0: right and and then i, I think what you often get is you get people who purchase and then feel like you know that the discount went up and so they, they didn't get the best offer um, and i think that's just that's not the dynamic that you want to encouraged because that that person is obviously going to be less likely to come back and even you know, doesn't, doesn't feel point. like they had a good experience with the brand you know where, where we see success is where brands are more transparent and we you know we've even seen like a, a lot of a lot of digital brands have have a lot of inventory at, at this point um given some of the overall sales trends the last couple of years so I, I think we've seen you know where brands are just honest about that and say we bought lot of inventory we've got some really great sales, like people will latch onto that and, and they appreciate and like it. Yeah. And, like that's yeah. relatable.
1: Like, all right, cool. Yeah. You screwed up at your job. I've, I've, I've made a, you know, a bonehead move here or there. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah. If I could get a, you know, two for one with free shipping, I'll take it. Right. 100%. How about missed opportunities? What, what things do you think there are that, that you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't do this. Or, you know, I can't believe they didn't do that. What, what things do you think are just like, obvious missed opportunities
0: so one maybe i'll shout out a brand that we're working with because I, I think they do a nice job of this um so, so digs pet is pet company their, their hero products are the rebel and evolve dog crates which are really nice and, and advanced as far as features dog crates um but so one thing that they've done is their organic social lead every time they run a sale like we'll do it's it's kind of like a meme video where it's i think the most recent one is is like mariah carey like over a, a static image of the crate and so it's it's basically like something you post to tiktok right sure and it it just does really well like even if you look at facebook and instagram because you know that's the type of content people are interested in doing more ugc around sales that just like talks about the sale and announces it is i think something that that uh,
1: brands could do more of talked about over optimization from like an algorithmic standpoint but also an over optimization sometimes from like a a content standpoint and you know hey maybe just be consumers like make the things that like regular people want to watch cuz it's entertaining cuz it's funny seeing you know this little gift dancing above the crate and I get it you sell crates but like you're funny too and I think that's relatable and I own a dog and my dog's funny and right like now I've created this story this dialogue from what would otherwise just be your ad and I think that that's obviously that's kind of the superpower that we love out of home so much for it's a very visceral you know connection that that it creates and and using things like that, tap into the zeitgeist. You think about how that looks on your brand. I think that that's that's kind of a fun exercise in itself. It's just like, what could it look like if our brand was a little bit more fun, a little bit more relatable? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's something similar with with out of home and the paid social, where you're you're really just asking people to take a second look. You know, do do a search and like look up the brand, or for for Facebook, like give a click and, and look a little bit more into it. And it, it's really trying to appeal to some more. Universal things about what people think are funny or engaging, or or what what catches people's eyes, than like really being, um, you know, as as in the weeds with your brand and your your story. You know, not not gimmicky things,
1: but things that the people just uh, engage with well. Chris, maybe just to close this out, give us a give us a, a peek inside the day in the life of a media buyer. What is it that you're thinking about when you are ultimately? not just including out of home in a plan, but like the literal, like pulling levers, working with partners. What are the things that you look for? Is it, is it speed to market? Is it a partner who's easy to work with? Is it the best pricing? Like what things make your life easier and put someone forward in the conversation of consideration for you and your planning and buying process? I think obviously speed
0: to market and responsiveness is is important and helpful. I I think we try, I, I probably try and like, not weight those like overly heavily and and think about like just you know what what do i think is the best inventory and like you know the best placement that's gonna gonna drive results and maybe one thing is like like creative is just such an important variable so i think to the extent that when i've worked with out of home partners or even TV partners or direct mail partners who will who will get a lot of input obviously I have a sense for what's going to work but I think it's helpful to get the experts view So if I, I work with someone who has like a really good uh, grip on like what type of creative should be going in and isn't afraid to like give give that input I think that's that's really valuable and maybe sets people apart.
1: That's awesome That's great feedback. Chris you've shared so much with us today. thank you for that. Where can folks connect with you learn more about Marcusy give us kind of the Latin long where should we go next? Yeah, uh can go
0: to marcusy.com, I guess, and check us out there. Definitely connect um, with any of us on, on
1: LinkedIn. We uh, have a pretty good presence there and post, post a lot. Cool. And we've got a great out-of-home case study that we're going to make available. If you've listened to the episode, I'll probably go back and add. I'll definitely add it in the open that there's an awesome out-of-home case study that comes along with this episode. You can download it from the website. So make sure to check the show notes. We'll link to all of that stuff below. Chris, thank you so much again for being here.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a great time.
1: Absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime. If you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with someone who could benefit. As always, make sure to smash that subscribe button and we'll see you all next time.
0: For the century, I finally came to my senses. I finally got my hand up on the tinted Benz kid. I see the world clear through my tinted lenses. With the dream and the drive, the possibilities endless. Now print that send this all the way to Tokyo. Take a trip down South to Mexico. Next stop, Shanghai, the world-class trade show. First class all the way, because that's how we roll. Yeah, call us the rock style business, Rock and shows, we handle business, man. We got our own future in the palm of our hands. Cause divided we fall
1: and together we stand.